What's fear? We don't have any fear. We don't have any of that here. Not on more Morgulons. Not your fearless host, Crystal Clear. That's right, I'm back and you're listening to more Morgulons. Today is that great day of the week known as... Let's see. What day, who day, when day, where day, why day? It's why day. Hey, I got a question. Why aren't the Morgies taken seriously by the mainstream medical community when we have evidence... We have physical symptoms that can be observed. Why? Why? I don't know. But until that changes, I'll be here. Fearlessly asking questions on my behalf and your behalf if you also have more lines. So stick around. Stay tuned. Thanks for being here. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Okay, that's the moment we have all been waiting for. Fiber analysis from the history of Morgulons from delusion to definition. This is Middleveen, Fessler, and Stricker. Let's get in there and do this. Histological studies, histo- histology is the study of tissue. So tissues, histological studies have shown that filaments and MD, Morgulons, disease tissue are not textile fibers. They're not textile fibers, but are biofilaments produced by human epithelial cells, that's skin cells, and stemming from deeper epidermal layers, upper dermal layers, and the root sheath of hair follicles. So the skin has uh, several layers. Um, so they're saying that the Morgulons uh, strings and fibers and all that crap, they are not textiles. So they're not cotton, as suggested by the CDC. Um, they are produced by human epithelial or skin cells. Okay, interesting. MD cutaneous filaments are predominantly composed of keratin and collagen, as determined by histological studies and appear to be produced by activated keratinocytes and fibroblasts. They're activated keratinocytes and fibroblasts. Those are precursors to keratin and collagen. Before they become keratin and collagen, they're keratinocytes and fibroblasts. They have to differentiate, um, which is usually catalyzed by some kind of a substrate or, you know, other thing happening in the body that says, hey, you need to produce yourselves into the full-blown mature ones. It's time you moved out of the house and uh, got a job. So, bye. Anyway, um... Then it says the base of filament attachment to epithelial cells demonstrates nucleation that is continuous with that of surrounding epithelial cells, indicating that the filaments are of human cellular origin. So basically, they're just saying you can trace a continuous um, path from the human skin cells to the filaments the formation and growth, nucleation and growth of these fibers is occurring spontaneously. They're not implanted, essentially. That's the point I think that they're trying to make here. Um, We know they're not implanted. What are we, fucking surgeons? I mean, we can do this on our back and stuff. Come on, give me a break. (laughs) Anyway, um, 
So we already knew that. We knew they were um, not implanted. But histochemical staining of skin sections containing embedded filaments with Congo Red, that's just the name of a dye, uh, resulted in apple green biofringence suggestive of an amyloid component, although this remains to be confirmed using more specific methodologies. So they're saying when we stained the histological sample, the tissue sample that had the filaments in it with a red stain called Congo go red. Um, it resulted in uh, apple green biofringence, uh, which biofringence, I believe, just means um, that a substance is able to fluoresce or glow under certain light conditions. Um, it's kind of a complicated subject, but um, biofringence uh, can be, I guess, in layman's terms, it glows under the black light. Um, amyloidosis, uh, ab- amyloid is an abnormal protein that is usually produced in bone marrow, and it can be deposited in any tissue or organ in the body. But amyloids are mostly associated with Alzheimer's because Alzheimer's has been shown to be caused by amyloid plaque formation in the uh, brain. So someday I'm going to do a whole episode on biofringence because it's truly fascinating. It usually arises out of crystalline type structures. So crystals disease instead of yawns disease. I don't know. Maybe. Um, but yeah, a few things that glow or by, you know, have this biofringent quality are um, <clears throat> collagen. Uh, so as they mentioned, amyloid proteins, like the ones found in Alzheimer's, um, specifically with Congo red, um, other materials that, um, uh, exhibit this property of biofringence, plastics, silica, cellulose, um, many gemstones, uh, calcite minerals. Um, so a lot of things will glow in this way under polarized light, um, don't know if this has anything to do with anything, but the elevated calcium levels in the blood of Morgulon's patients, I wonder if that has anything to do with uh, the formation of some kind of a calcite type crystal structure being embedded somehow in these fibers. Who the heck knows? It's just very interesting and different materials glow different colors, um, for instance. One of the most common uh, fungal skin conditions, uh, ringworm or jock itch, uh, glows orange. That type of it's called tinea is the fungus type, and it's called uh, and it glows orange. Found something that looked like amyloid, but it, it remains to be seen because they need to use more specific methodologies to study um, the fibers. They said, and then they said calcaflower white staining of skin sections with embedded filaments was negative, and thus MD filaments do not have any. Any cellulose content from plant fibers such as cotton or chitin from fungal cells or insect exoskeletons. So that calcaflower is just a type of stain, uh, another color of dye used to detect specifically chitin and cellulose, which are common components of plants, fungi, uh, algae, stuff like that. Okay. Figure one, embedded cutaneous blue and white filaments. Figure two, longitudinal sections of filaments originating in the basal layer of the epidermis adjacent to the dermis magnification 400 times. Several independent studies have shown that blue MD fibers were human hairs or hair-like extrusions and that blue coloration resulted from melanin pigmentation. Figure three, blue textile fibers are colored by dyes, not by blue melanin pigmentation. Therefore, it is not possible that blue MD fibers are textile in origin. 
Uh, FBI already confirmed that these are not commercial textile fibers, okay? Um, MD filaments are hair-like extrusions, and some MD fibers are very fine human hairs. The coloration of blue fibers was shown to result from melanin pigmentation, which was demonstrated by positive histochemical staining with Fontana Masson. That's just another color stain. A confirmatory study performed at a laboratory specializing in biofibers and coloration established that embedded blue fibers in MD dermatological specimens were human hairs. So they've got a figure three. Filaments remaining embedded in deeper layers of skin after removal of a callus. Uh, magnification 100 times. Uh, SEM of blue MD fibers shows cuticular scaling consistent with human hairs. So they're saying the scaling of the cuticles, they are consistent with human hairs. And transmission electron microscopy shows darkly stained, disorganized melanosomes consistent with human hairs. Microspect Microspectrophotometry, a reflectance of blue fibers, is consistent with that of pigmented tissues, and Raman spectroscopy results in relevant peaks corresponding to carbamate compounds and melanin aromatic rings. Remember that kind of analysis technique that Raman one was the one where they could just identify like the basic elemental components of something. An investigation concluded that fibers were not self-implanted, due to the fact that they were deeply embedded in skin in a manner that a patient would not be able to achieve. Duh. Thanks, Marianne, for clearing that up. I don't know how anyone could ever be fucking confused. Yeah, in my free time, uh, one of my hobbies is that I like to, with surgical precision, uh, implant tiny microscopic fibers under my uh, skin. It's taken me a while to get good at this, especially when I do it on my back. Somehow, with all of my um, surgical instruments and my super long arms, yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, so other MD findings. If MD specimens, Morgulon specimens are examined, they demonstrate evidence of abnormal keratin and collagen expression. In addition to the formation of abnormal cutaneous fibers, many patients report changes to hair and fingernails. Oh, let me tell you, they call it me. Medusa. Um, deformed follicular bulbs, pili multigemini, which is the formation of multiple hair shafts within individual follicles. Y'all ever seen this? I had one of these on my arm uh, not too long ago. It's two coarse little hairs poking out of one pore or one follicle. Filamentous projections from the follicular sheath surrounding hair bulbs. So like where the root of the hair is, there can be filaments projecting out of the root alongside the hair. Um, and the formation of thickened keratin projections are common findings. I have had that like little horns, like little skin horns that kind of come and go out of the skin. The authors of this paper have had the opportunity to examine many MD lesions and MD dermatological specimens. Thanks y'all for looking at our matchbox signs, which for the most part were actual real biomedical evidence, except for that one tiny potato chip. Sorry, my bad. We have noted that MD lesions can begin as folliculitis that evolves into ulcerative filamentous lesions with further evidence of keratin and collagen abnormalities, such as formation of keratin projections, formation of hardened comedo-like masses, remember those are like black blackheads, and deformities of hairs and hair follicles, as mentioned previously. Did y'all figure out why I turned to Medusa? When you do, please call me. Keratin projections are thickened follicular casts 
When sectioned and stained with Gamori trichrome, that's a stain color, these follicular casts are abnormal in that although the outer surface is composed of keratin-rich tissue, the interior can contain collagen-rich tissue. Comodo-like masses can emerge from pores spontaneously or when scratched and are sometimes described by patients as being sand-like. Patients may misinterpret these objects as being seeds, eggs, cocoons, parasites, or even arthropods. These comedo-like masses can contain embedded keratin or collagen filaments and or projecting filaments. When they form inside a pore or follicle, they may form a tight wad of fibers. Uh, hair and follicular bulb deformities include pili multigemini, uh, hairs or fibers growing downward deep into the dermis rather than in the opposite direction through the pore opening, and follicular sheaths with filamentous projections. These projections can completely cover the follicular sheath and may inter be interpreted as caterpillars by patients. So just backing up a minute, follicular casts are defined as the accumulation. It's an accumulation of a keratinous type of debris um, around the hair shaft uh, seen protruding from the follicle or present when hairs are plucked and examined. It indicates a defect of follicular keratinization. So remember we talked about the little immature keratinocytes were hanging out in mom and dad's basement playing video games until uh, a chemical substrate or signal or molecule came along and said, hey, you got to grow up, get a job and get the F out of this house, youngin. Time to become a keratin. So they were like, okay. But then um, apparently our keratinocytes were like, Hey, mom, can I like borrow the minivan to go look for jobs? And then they just took the van and drove around the block smoking pot or something and came back all fucked up. So that's kind of the way I like to kind of uh, visualize and think about uh, some of these medical terms and concepts because it's really not that complicated, y'all. They use a bunch of fancy jargon and words you don't know to um, make it seem mystifying, like, oh my God, only the doctor can figure this out. And I'm not saying that doctors don't have <laughs> far more education, experience, and uh, qualification to uh, understand and interpret these types of studies. But hey, we have to be our own doctors, so we're going to do the best we can um, <clears throat> unless we have access to real medical professionals who uh, have enough sense in their heads to believe that Morgulons is not delusional, um, and we have access to them. Great if you do, but many Morgies do not. I would be one of them in part because I have no insurance or income right now. I'm living on the edge, y'all. My middle name is Danger. Um, anywho, hopefully that will not be true for much longer being considered for a director of nursing position at a residential inpatient child psychiatric, uh, child adolescent psychiatric facility. So hopefully I'll be getting a call back from them soon if they know what's good for them. And, um, but even if I have income and insurance, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to have access to a physician or other healthcare provider who, um, is going to treat my Morgulans. Um, and by the way, even if you do have access, I mean, what are they going to treat it with? Antibiotics? Okay. Well, we know that that has some efficacy sometimes. That's great. I've already tried antibiotics. Um, I restarted doxycycline again when, um, for the second time now, the uh, ginormous Morgulon zit from hell um, on my face returned. Which, incidentally, I just want to mention this. Um, you know, I, I, in doing this episode, I kind of hit pause for one second. I was like, hmm, I wonder what my face is glowing when I put it under the blacklight. So I go and grab my blacklight flashlight that I got at, um, like, PetSmart or something. And I um, 
people get these because you can detect like urine stains and stuff with them. So you know where to clean when your doggy goes pee pee on the rug um, or your kitty cat. Um, I'm not a pet person. The only pets I have are peeves, but, uh, you know, back when I thought that I had the scabes, I, I was, you know, scouring the town for like flea and tick medicine and other veterinary, uh, medicines, not recommending that at home. Y'all want to emphasize and repeat. I'm not recommending using veterinary medicines at home. Okay. Um, and by the way, they didn't work. They don't work for Morgulons. Okay. Um, but anyway, when I was at PetSmart, I got this, uh, black light. Anyway, put it on my face today on the area with the uh, outbreak lesion, whatever. And what I saw was glowing orange, just saw all kinds of orange glowing uh, substances in my pores, which would suggest possible fungal origin, possible bacterial. So what the hell? Um, I don't know, but uh, let's talk about it after the break. Stay tuned. I'm back. Thanks for sticking around if you did. Um, so, okay. I've, I was just saying like, yeah, I put the glow light or the black light on my face and it was all glowing orange in like every pore. So typically orange is signifying uh, a fungal uh, etiology, right? So um, the fungus, there's like 40 kinds of fungus that we kind of colloquially call ringworm, jock itch, athlete's foot, yada, yada. They're all... Um, I pretty much forms of Tinea, T-I-N-E-A. I never have any idea whether I'm saying anything right um, and don't care really. Uh, but the uh, another uh, thing that glows orange under black light is a bacteria that causes acne. So what would be one way that I could experimentally, um, at least just in an anecdotal way, determine which of the two that it could possibly be the orange glowing things on my face and chest and elsewhere. Um, well, I happen to have broad spectrum antibacterial topical medication. I happen to have a antifungal cream. So I was thinking, well, let me try uh, the fungal one first since uh, that could probably be more likely in my case since I've never really had acne um, before in my life. Um, I was beautiful before I got the morgies, um, as I'm sure all of y'all were as well. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm starting to lose my vanity, but hanging on to my sanity. And that's really what counts. Um, but, yeah, so because I don't have a history of acne, because I'm taking oral doxycycline, which normally... Uh, obliterates uh, the bacteria that causes acne, and that's why it's prescribed many times for acne. Um, but I'm thinking, okay, so maybe it's more likely it's fungal. Let me try the fungal antifungal cream first. And I tried an azole, uh, azole, azole uh, class of antifungal drug. And like we were talking about in the Yawns paper, she was saying, hey, the Morgulons uh, things respond to, uh, they, ev they evade. Uh, destruction from these azoli drugs by rising to the surface when an antifungal azoli drug is taken orally. So um, I was thinking, well, you know, what if we put a topical azoli? So I got some um, clotrimazole and put it all over the area, came back later, checked it under the black light. I don't see any more orange, y'all. So, you know, <laughs> this is not hit by any means like rigorous science or something, but interesting to note. And it's actually kind of um, useful to consider the option of uh, when you don't know the etiology of some kind of symptom or condition 
to treat it empirically going sort of like from the end of the problem to back to the beginning of the problem. I don't know if you've ever taken like the GRE or the SAT or something, but like I'm always one of those people that looks at the four possible uh, answers and works my way back to the correct one instead of actually understanding the question and knowing what to do because it's the math section. Um, yeah, but um, whatever gets you to the actual correct answer, it doesn't really matter how you get there in my opinion. So if you've got, let's say a three inch lesion, uh, diameter lesion, and you put on the, uh, from left to right, like a fungal medication on one inch of it, a bacterial medication on the next inch of it. And then on the next one, you put a, I don't know, a steroid cream or something. Um, and then the next day you look at the sore where you put the fungal cream on is looking better, but the other two, um, are looking the same. Well, then you can say, huh, maybe this is a fungal infection, right? So, um, what has always perplexed me about Morgulons and what sometimes really and truly, uh, Tom, 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 and I sometimes joke about the fact that it's like, is Morgulons a disease where you have every disease? Like sometimes it seems like it's fungal, bacterial, parasitic, um, alien. <laughs> um, it's just, there's so many confounding factors, um, it seems like when you're looking at this and we can kind of see that by all these different research papers that we've reviewed. It's like, uh, you know, Jan was saying, yeah, of course they found cellulose in the CDC study because Jan thinks that the etiology of Morgulons is a, a plant-like organism, a new plant-like organism that causes Morgulons. Well, Middle Venus saying, no, we did the study of the histology. We looked at it. We saw these fibers. They're all made out of human cells. Uh, yeah, they're mel they're somehow Morgulons is making people's melanin, the thing that gives your skin color, unless you're, um, <clears throat> a super, super, uh, Irish Scandinavian white girl like me, basically an ethnic albino melanin is what gives, uh, normal people pigmentation, um, in their skin color. But then you've got other, I mean, the same author on this study, Stricker, he did an experiment finding agrobacterium in the wounds of Morgulon patients, which agrobacterium does contain cellulose. So um, I guess we have to differentiate by saying that they analyzed the fibers, these blue fibers, and found them to be made up of deranged keratin and collagen and pigmented by some unknown mechanism uh, blue with uh, melanin. So basically saying this is all endogenous substances. Remember, endogenous means from within the body, exogenous means from without the body. So they're saying that the fibers are not parasites. They're not uh, living, you know, animals or plants or fungus or anything like that. These are, uh, this is an immune reaction basically of some other pathogen. The fibers are the immune reaction, the reaction of the body. It, it manufactures these weird fibril things, these blue fibril things, um, due to the presence of some unknown pathogen. Um, but the fibers themselves, the morgulons, are just you. They're just your body. They're nothing, no exogenous cause or organism. Okay, so let's take that to be absolutely true. And that has been, let's just assume that that's been proven and those uh, results have been repeated time and time again through the scientific method. Um, and we know for sure that's true. 
okay, cool. All right. I'll buy that. <clears throat> um, kind of weird because it's not just blue ones, it's green ones and glittery ones. And I mean, there's more Morgulons than fibers. I don't know about you guys, but I have all kinds of Morgulons. Yes. I would say that the most plentiful Morgulon is probably either the white haired looking things or the black specks things, the pepper flake things. But, um, but obviously y'all know by now, if I have anything, I have more Morgulons, not just those. There are other Morgulons, some of which are a metallic colored, iridescent, um, all the things in the environment that are odd that I saw in Jan's paper, pictures of in Jan's paper. So, um, and we also have to say, uh, wasn't, uh, I think it was uh, Randy Wymore. He did the thing where he took his Morgulon fibers, not his personal, but the ones he had gotten from people and, uh, ran through the FBI database um, through a friend of his in Oklahoma, the, the police department or something, and comparing it to, I, I've read anywhere from 880 to 100,000 different uh, things in this uh, FBI database library of commercial textile fibers. But the point is, is um, it didn't match any commercial textile fiber. So that would lend validity to what Middleveen and Stricker and Fessler are saying in this paper that, um, no, they're not commercial fibers, they're human cells. But in the same paper that Wymore did, he's saying, look, I couldn't even, I can't even really tell you what these things were because they're virtually indestructible by thermal or chemical means used in the laboratory to identify uh, what things are. So how can I, I mean, I don't know if you all have ever tried to like dye your hair at home and had disastrous results, like by, you know, melting your hair off or something, uh, keratin is easily destroyed by chemical means. Um, it's easily destroyed by thermal means. I mean, I burn my, you know, eyelashes and eyebrows off, like, you know, at least one out of three times that I attempt to go into the kitchen and cook something. So, this just doesn't correspond to the other information that we have from research about the Morgulons and, of course, from our own experience, um, worm burning and other crazy shit like that that we've been doing lately. So, <clears throat> I don't know. I'm just kind of, like, on a tangent here because I'm excited about all the different ideas that I'm having and... Um, I think actually Tomfy Tom 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 might be onto something with his string theory analogy for Morgulons. There are all these uh, disparate, you know, theories about what causes Morgulons and what the Morgulons are. Maybe there's some uh, overarching unifying theory that actually ties all of this together eventually. Um, I don't know, but I'm excited to be exploring all of these um, different ideas and theories and weaving them uh, together or pulling them apart, whatever the case may be, as we go on this journey together, learning about uh, Morgulon's disease or condition. And I know that eventually, someday, there is going to be this eureka moment in someone's brain. And I just hope it's mine because y'all know I'm trying to win that Nobel. You, you get like a million dollars in prize money, not to mention... I can like put it on my business card. Crystal clear, a Nobel Prize winner in medicine slash 
registered nurse slash sex symbol slash comedian slash former morgie because of course I will have won the Nobel Prize for curing Morgulons. Anyway, enough delusions of grandeur. Those aren't delusions, they're just fantasies and I'm totally kidding. I don't give a shit who figures out what this is or who gets the prize money. As long as somebody gets the actual real answers, explains this, and then gets us on the road to effective treatments and a eventual cure. Um, That's all I care about. All I care about is getting rid of the Morgulons for me and for you, if you've got them too. Um, We'll get there, y'all. We'll get there. Hang in there. We are going to get there. I don't give up. I'm a winner. I never quit. I never give up. And I never shut up. So, um, but that's what you got to do. The squeaky wheel gets the grease, y'all. So, uh, just remember that, that sitting around uh, in in a state of, you know, depression and anxiety and isolation, although entirely understandable, and bless your heart, I'm so sorry. But still, not saying anything, that doesn't help anybody. Speaking out, tuning in getting together in real life or online uh, with people that have Morgulons or that are interested in learning about Morgulons. That's the way that we once again pick up where Miss Mary left off in 2001 when she got her group of activists and advocates together to lobby Congress and eventually got them to do the shit CDC study they did. She did the best she could, y'all. And bless her heart, my God, that poor woman accused of Munchhouses by proxy when she's in fact like a super mom and a tireless advocate for her child who was suffering with Morgulines. And um, yeah, just, oh God, I think about her all the time. I really do. Because, you know, she's disappeared from the public eye, Mary Leto or however you say her name. Um, And can you blame her? Can y'all blame her? I mean, shit, it's like you think, okay, I did all this work. What an accomplishment. I got all these people together. We successfully lobbied Congress. Congress put the smack down on the CDC and said, you better look into this. But at the end of it all, they come back and tell her, she's probably thinking she's going to get vindicated from that accusation of the pediatrician she took her son to at John Hopkins, who was like, uh, you need a psychiatric eval lady. Basically said she had Munchausen's by proxy. She's probably thinking, hey, when the CDC finishes this, I'll show everybody and look what I've done. And the CDC came back and said, yeah, it's delusional. So it's like, in order to prevent more harm to self and family, I mean, at that point, you're starting to be worried about, is DFACS going to come and take my children away now? You know, so who can blame Mary for getting out of the public eye? However, the work she started, and God bless her, has not been finished yet. They finished us off, y'all. The irony is, is that all the work that Mary put in to getting us on the radar and getting our questions addressed and our concerns addressed by the proper agencies that should be addressing these things, it actually did more to hurt Morgulons than anything else could have possibly done. Because now it's like, oh, it's a closed matter. Uh, We don't need to look at this anymore. Wrong! Miss Mary and her family are probably still suffering from Morgulons. All the people that participated in the Morgulons study with the CDC are probably still suffering from Morgulons, if there even were any Morgies in that study. God only knows how many new people that have contracted Morgulons, at least three in Atlanta, just a few months ago. So this is still a problem. 
It needs to continue to be on the radar and it needs to be addressed appropriately. And until it is, I will be here without fear. Nobody's gonna make me back down. Uh uh-uh. uh. And nobody's gonna make me shut up. No. So stay tuned.